0: And uh, the power of God is present, and, and he is here now, and he is everywhere. I'm thankful that the anointing is not limited to a physical location. And, uh, and he is present to work, and I believe he has and will continue to work in your life right here today. So believe with me. Amen. Now, get rid of any distractions if you can. I know there's uh, someone banging around in the kitchen right now. And and all kinds of distractions and and uh, uh, whether it's on your, your phone or whatever it is, let's dial in and zero in for the next little bit here and let God work in our lives. Amen, amen. Now, just to let everybody know, uh, I do have some people present, um, I am speaking in-house to our, some of our staff and some of our music and worship and media team. They are present, so if you hear any noise, that's God working in their life. And, uh, and, uh, but, but participate on the best level you can as we get into the Word today. Is everybody ready? Yeah. All right, let's do this. If you would, uh, go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10 Hebrews chapter 10 and last week I started a new series of messages called living like you mean it and if you missed that message by the way uh, get it it's on the website it's on uh, different platforms go to our website and you can access everything from there and get caught up with the first part of living like you mean it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, and notice with me the 38th verse, 10 38. It reads, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. I think that's a, a phrase that many believers are familiar with. The just shall live by faith simply means if you've been saved, if you've been justified or made righteous, then the way you live is kind of the way you got in. The way you got saved was not, you know, because of, of a feeling, because of a, something you saw. You believed the word of God. You believed the gospel, and you got saved. Now, the, how do just people live? How do righteous people live? they live that same way. They live by faith. That means they don't, you know, let outward things dominate them. They're not moved by circumstances. They're not moved by the opinions of man. They take the word of God very seriously, and they let that be the governing force in their decision-making and how they live their lives. And I think uh, most of us are quick to agree that living by faith is the way to go and that we should live by faith irregardless of our circumstances. Uh, But the faith life has uh, many different characteristics, okay? It's not limited to, uh, if I have faith, then I read my Bible and go to church. Uh, Really, when someone believes, it impacts, when they truly believe, it impacts uh, all areas of their life. It shows up in their decision making from day to day concerning many different things. Uh, faith is seen in our actions. If we really believe something, we're going to uh, conduct ourselves accordingly. Okay. In other words, it's not just it's not just saying something or being like a parrot. Uh, how many understand? You know, a parrot can learn phrases and they can repeat certain phrases, Uh, does that parrot believe in their heart (laughs) those things that they say (laughs) will come to pass? No, no. Uh, But are there ever people who are, you know, Christians, so-called Christians, that say things, and it would be more like the parrot saying it than like Jesus saying it? Because they've learned the lingo, they've learned the language, they know some of the right things that they're supposed to say, some of the right things they're supposed to do, but they haven't really embraced it on an inward level where it drives them from the inner core of their being. And this is where we want to be. I don't want to just be putting on. I don't want to be faking anything. I don't want to just put an outward show of of believing. I want to have something deep down inside me that literally moves my actions when I'm at church, when I'm at home, when when no one else is around, when there's temptations, when when I'm feeling good or not feeling good, I am going to believe the word of God and act accordingly. Amen. I told you before now that the, the Greek word for faith is the word uh, pistis, P-I-S, P-I-S, all right? That'll be on the test. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and that word means a firm persuasion, a conviction based upon hearing, all right? So, so I'm approaching this from this standpoint. When I say living like you mean it, I mean living with conviction, There is something deep inside that moves us, it drives us. Now, say, what is conviction? Obviously, that word can be used in multiple ways, but the way I'm using it, you'll find this in dictionaries and so forth, it is a fixed or firm belief. So I need to get to a place inside in my life as I stand before God and deal and stand before people uh, that I have fixed. And firm beliefs. They're not shakable. They're not bendable. They're, they're, they're not moved by what's happening in the world. No, I just believe God, and, and, and I'm going to act accordingly because of this conviction. Now, uh, I began to think about uh, different individuals in the Word that uh, emulated these principles, different individuals that uh, had this firm belief or conviction that directed their, their actions and behaviors. And, and I shared with you previously about, about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And, uh, and they certainly had that as they walked through the fire and were not burned. There is another guy that stands out strong in my uh, knowledge, and he's pretty famous, and his name is David, okay? Okay. David, or King David. He was the second king of Israel. He's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 briefly, but he's in there as one of the great examples of faith. And so I want to look over at, uh, at one of the famous events in his life when he was quite young, but it's in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And so if you would find that on your, your app, in your Bible, 1 Samuel chapter uh, 17. And this is the story. Some, Some may think it's just a figure of speech, but it's actually a real event. It's called David and Goliath. It's typically how it's Shared. And I'm not going to read the whole story, but I would encourage everybody to read the whole chapter on your own, on your own time. But what was happening were, was the Philistines were set up against Israel. They were on two mountains, and there was a valley between them, and they were arrayed in, in such a way they're about to go to battle. And the Philistines had this guy named Goliath, and his was one massive dude. And, and I want to read a few things about him beginning in verse 4. 1 Samuel 17, 4, and a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now, how many do your measurements in cubits and spans? Uh, There's not even universal agreement today on how tall this guy was, but it seems to be... uh, People would say he was anywhere from 9 feet 9 inches to 13 feet 4 inches. All right. This is a big guy. Think 9 feet. You know, a, a basketball hoop is 10. 10 feet. So his head's like almost there, just standing. I think he can dunk. <laughs> and uh, this, is, this is one massive dude. So let's keep reading verse 5. He had a bronze helmet on his head. And he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. All right. Then we, now we got this, these measurements again. Probably about 125 pounds. Okay? So that's what he's carrying around. 125 pounds. That's a whole person. <laughs> and that's just his clothes. You know, like if you ever gone somewhere to weigh and you thought, no, I need to take my coat off, I need to take my shoes off because I want to have a good weight. <laughs> when Goliath went into weigh. Wow, you're 125 pounds different just with that coat on. Uh, verse six, and he had bronze, he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam And his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And a shield bearer went before him. 600 shekels. So uh, in my uh, looking these things up, probably between 15 and 25 pounds was the end of the spear. You know anything that's like 25 pounds? I think of like a weight, like at the gym. And, And, you know, most people can pick up 25 pounds, no problem. But put it on the end of a spear... I can't throw that. <laughs> wow. This is one massive dude. Verse uh, uh and, and so all, all this all this stuff went on. He's basically going out there taunting Israel, saying he I defy the armies of Israel this day. And he was going out there for 40 days. And they're at this standoff and they're they're Goliath, they're giant, they're champion warriors basically mocking Israel. Uh by extension really mocking God and uh, and everything he stands for and people were afraid on on the Israeli side they they're afraid they they're afraid of this guy and and then there's David okay you know David was the 8th uh, son in his family, his, uh, he, so he, he's the youngest, and he, his older brothers, three of his older brothers are out there in the battle, and he's kind of going back and forth, he's tending the sheep, and he would go, his dad would say, hey, bring, bring some food to the guys, and, and bring, some, bring some cheese to the commanders of the armies, and so forth, and so David would go, and, and he would, uh, was aware of what's, what's, what's going on, and, and hearing some of this kind of annoyed him. It kind of disturbed him inwardly. He was not pleased with this big honkin bully, Goliath bossing God's people around. And he was right in that. And if you ever feel like that, I, I tell you, that's a right thought. And if you don't, come on, man, get some conviction. Right. And, and, and so what happened is David was doing this. let us jump down to verse uh, 26. All right, verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who does this guy think he is? And you notice the language there, uncircumcised. It might seem like a bizarre way to you know, put someone down. <laughs> but in their day, of course, circumcision was the sign of the covenant with God. He's saying, this guy doesn't even have a covenant with God. And he's taunting us. He's speaking against us. We have this blood covenant with Almighty God himself. What in the world is going on here? Who, who does this guy think he is? This uncircumcised Philistine, do you ever have something like that inside of you where it's like, man, something not right about this, something not right about what's going on, something on the inside bugs you? And I realize we're not generally in battle. You know, most of us are not in war, and uh, but we are, in one sense, in battle with the forces of darkness. We're in battle with lies and deception and and doubt and unbelief. And the enemy, the devil, will take anyone out that he can if he's allowed to. And too many times, he marches through people's lives unhindered, you know, without any opposition whatsoever. No one gets bugged by it. And we might feel bad for people or have a general opposition to suffering, but no one's praying like this. No one's praying with what in the world's going on here? Who's allowing this to happen? And, and, and if we know the scriptures, we know that we are responsible to enforce the devil's defeat. Someone must stand up. Go down to verse uh, 29. And David said, uh, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Because his brothers were giving him, you know, they're harassing him and acting like he just wants attention and all this stuff. Uh, he said, "Is there not a cause?" In other words, uh, what I have done, what I have said, does this does this offend you? Are, are are not Saul's promises to the victor and 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 God's people the insults to God's people enough for someone to stand up and do something? Jump down to verse forty-five. Let's see. Uh, Verse 45, then David said to the Philistine, okay, so you understand what happened before that, trying on Saul's armor and all this kind of stuff. Finally, this, this is the, where the rubber meets the road. Verse 45, then David said to the Phil- Philistine, you come to me with a sword and spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. "'This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, "'and I will strike you and take your head from you. "'And this day I will give the carcasses "'of the camp of the Philistines "'to the birds of the air "'and the wild beasts of the earth "'that all the earth may know "'that there is a God in Israel.'" Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Now, this is a picture of this type of faith. This is a picture of conviction. This is David standing before someone who is way bigger than him, uh, with way more natural strength, way more skill, you know, experience as, as a warrior. And he's saying some pretty bold things here. This would be a picture of how people who live like they mean it speak. This is the kind of language that we use. We declare things that seem naturally impossible we speak the outcome before it happens and we make bold declaration representing not ourselves and our own might and our own strength, but the fact that God himself is behind us, that he will back up what he said he would do and he will enforce the covenant and we speak like that's true. You cannot have a real relationship with God and truly know him and have a be pamby prayer. Oh, hell. Oh, I don't know what to do. It's just so bad. Ah! Stop! And start speaking the word of the Lord and declaring, this is about to go down. This is about to happen in my life. My future is bright and not dark. I'm going up and not down because he has made me something special. Hallelujah. Now, uh, The sword and spear here that David talks about basically represents man's power versus the Lord's power. It is God versus human effort. You might recall uh, Zechariah 4 and verse 6. It reads, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Might and power, there is not the might and power of God, but the might and power of human effort, of armies and so forth. Not by their might, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. Amen. Even today, uh, too many people are relying on natural means to get them through. Do n- ne- never substitute something you do for what God does. I don't mean that our actions aren't driven by our belief in God. That's what I'm talking about. But I can't rely upon anything I do to put me over. I need to say, no, I'm taking the Lord at his word, and he is going to bring it to pass. He watches, as Jeremiah said, he watches over his word to performance, and it will be the case in my life. People with convictions, are, they're, they're committed to things they believe. And and consider that for a moment. They don't just have written beliefs. They don't just have a statement of faith. They are committed to things they believe. If they believe it, they're committed to that. To the point of what? Sink or swim. (laughs) You know, to the point of, you're going to throw me in the fire or uh, what? I I, I still believe this. Live or die. No, I, I believe it. It's true. You cannot threaten me. cannot take it away from me. This is what is true. There are very simple statements that many believers make, and they're, they're often they're quotations of scriptures. Um, and it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to live like it's true. For example, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus from Philippians. Right? We could say, God supplies my need. Should you say that? We should say that. That's a good thing to say. But there's a, you, you can be the parrot. Whark, God supplies. God supplies. Or you can say it with conviction. And when you speak it from that point, it alters your behavior. Not I'm going to say it out of one side of my mouth and then live in fear out of the other side. Okay? When we say things, and these, you know, scriptures, by his stripes... I am or was healed. Okay, should we say that? Totally we should say that. That's quoting God. I think he's quotable. (laughs) We're speaking the word of the Lord. Should we say that? Yes, and it should drive our behavior. Amen. And if it doesn't, I just have a question. Do we really believe what we're saying? Do we come out of our time of prayer and speaking and, uh, you know, confessing the word of God and then live as if it's not true? Do we come out of a time of we, we make a prayer of agreement and, and we agree that God is going to work and God is going to do something in our lives and we leave that place and then act as if the prayer did just, that we just prayed didn't happen? I, I don't know if you've ever experienced that maybe personally or with someone else, but I have at times, and I'm happy to pray with people. I'm thrilled to be able to speak into their life, but pray a good, strong prayer. Just a real good faith prayer based on the Word of God. It's true. It's right. I'm thankful. I'm rejoicing. They seem to be the same way. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. And then five minutes later, they're tell some, telling someone else about the problem or asking someone else to pray for them. Well, keep praying. Keep praying. We just said amen. No more praying. Unless you want to call shouting praying. Praising God praying. Come on now. Let's not go through the motions, go through spiritual activities, and we're just playing games if it doesn't affect our lives. My steps are ordered by the Lord. Is that a good one to say? My steps are ordered by the Lord. Yeah, but then do you go out of there saying, man, I just don't know what to do. <laughs> we believe and act accordingly. Everything's going to be fine. Why? Because I'm going to be in the right place at the right time because my steps are ordered by him. Yeah, I am his sheep. I hear his voice. You believe that one? John 10, you believe what Jesus said? Then never again do we also at the, in the same breath say, I just can't seem to hear God's voice. Come on, stay with it. Let it be a firm, fixed belief in your life. How about this? When I pray, things change. Yeah. When someone has a need and someone comes to you with their their difficult time, smile real big. Even if they're crying. Even if they're hurting, smile real big. You're not insensitive. And they might look at you and say, didn't you hear what I said? Don't you think this is serious? Yes. But I know when I pray, things change. I know God personally. He knows me. I know him. And you have a need? This is really cool. We're about to see God move in our midst. How many people are declaring things that have not yet happened, but they know they will because of their belief, their firm conviction? Amen. This is basically what David was doing. He was saying ahead of time what he's about to do. He's telling the giant, by the way, you uncircumcised Philistine, I'm about to take you down, man. Get the little guy and his giant. I'm about to take you out. I'm taking your head off too. Yeah. Think how silly that sounds. Unless you know God. Unless you have some inward conviction that's driving those statements. Remember, Jesus spoke like that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they spoke like that. The people of great conviction, they live like they mean it. They would predict the future. Not all future, but they would predict what was gonna happen in their life based on the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Now, sometimes people wonder if this sounds like pride. Does this sound like just like arrogant people just blabbering and declaring things? And uh, some might even wonder, you know, how is this consistent with the will of God? Aren't we supposed to submit to the will of God? Are, is, aren't we supposed to leave these things up to him? Well, obviously, by the examples of, that we've looked at so far, they must know something that doesn't fit within that narrative. We're just going to sit back and not declare anything lest we be proud Turn, turn with me, if you would, to James chapter 4. Well, I'm putting this on the on the screen for you as well. But James chapter 4 deals with this, this question, and it might seem like a, a contradiction, but it's really not. In James 4 and verse 13, James writes to believers, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city Spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall, have, uh, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil." Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. And so is this, is this a contradiction to what Jesus and, and David and others did where they said what was going to happen before it happened? They basically declared their future? What James is talking about here it has to do with pride, has to do with self-exaltation. It, 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 is, uh, it is them declaring boastfully, this is what I'm gonna do, independent of seeking God or being submitted to his will. I'm just going to do these things. Um, but that's not, not what David was in, in, involved at all, with at all. Uh, so well, what do I do about my future? Am I supposed to declare it or say, well, if the Lord wills? It depends what you know. If you have a promise, that's the Lord's will. If he has given you a direction for your life, that's the Lord's will. If it is standing up and enforcing the redemptive victory that Jesus purchased for us, that he won on our behalf, that's the Lord's will. If I don't know what tomorrow holds in regards to decisions I should make, where I should be, and so forth, if I don't know, I would be wrong to boastfully or proudfully just act like I do know. What should I say if I don't know? The Lord, whatever the Lord leads, whatever the Lord's will is, I'm gonna follow that. I'm gonna follow His plan. If I don't know it, I'm gonna trust Him. I don't know everything. How many know it? Say, it is a pride that will never admit weakness or uncertainty. That pride wants to act like I always know everything. And how many know we're we're in bit a little bit of an uncertain time right now in our world? It's unprecedented, at least in our times, right? It's it's very uh, very unique time. Uh, does anybody know everything about what's going to happen in the future? Only if the Lord reveals it. Outside of a revelation from God, people are guessing. Some are guessing based on fear. Some are, some are, you know, have a more hopeful and optimistic outlook because of their prayers and what they believe. Um, but no one knows everything uh, regarding everything that's going to transpire. So in that regard, we're seeking him. We're following him every single day. One reason I know that we can move forward in doing what we're doing like we're doing here today is because we pray. And seek the Lord, and he leads us. You can never operate in faith outside of knowing God's will. And so that's why we have the Spirit of God in us. And every believer has the Holy Spirit inside to guide them, to lead them, to show them. And some of that, he'll show you things to come. Some of it, he'll help you deal with the present and where where things are right now. But we have him inside. Whenever we get a direction or we get information about something coming that we don't know... Now we can stand up as bold as David. Now we can look the giant in the eye and say, your head's coming off. <laughs> Amen. Either way, we still stay as people who live with conviction, who live with an absolute certainty. Well, what if I don't know? Then in that area, you don't know. And you pray and you seek God. And, and, and again, it's not about pride. David wasn't, like I mentioned, boasting in his own skill, in his own slingshot skills, right? Of course, we didn't read the rest of the story, but I assume many people know. David eventually killed the giant with the sling, with the stone, and did take his head off. As nasty as that sounds, as gross (laughs) as that sounds, he did exactly what he said he would do. But what what, what was his statement? He said, "Uh, uh, the Lord doesn't save with sword and spear The battle is the Lord's. Can we say that about our lives? It's not about because I'm so smart or I have everything together, but I'm not alone. He is my refuge and strength. He is my help in time of need. He's the one who guides the stone. Praise God. He puts words in my mouth. I pray and he fills my heart with words of wisdom and life and inspiration and I speak them and they come to pass. Praise God. And so... This message isn't about boasting in our own wisdom, but rather letting a revelation of truth cause us to live with conviction. Amen. When you have it, here's the behavior of a person living like they mean it. If you read the story further, after David got done declaring what was about to happen to the giant or to Goliath, uh, what did he do? He ran at him. He wasn't hiding and sneaking around and hiding behind a rock here and trying to sneak up behind him. He said, here we go. And he ran at Goliath and took him out. That shows that action, that physical action reveals what he really believed. You do not run at the problem unless you have some conviction inside of you. Yeah? Think about it. What David said in private, how David used his faith in God and his words while he's in the field tending the sheep, and then how he took his words and they went public. He said it before people, he said it before King Saul, and then he ran at the enemy. What do we do? It's one thing to say it, and we should. In our private times of prayer. Speak the word of the Lord. Father, I thank you. You said it in your word. And we praise him and we say it again and again. And we thank him for the victory. We thank him for his word. At some point when you really have it, you'll tell someone else. So what will I tell him? What you believe. This is, about, this is what's going to happen. Oh, I see you're really going through a tough time. I know, but this is about what's going to happen. This is going to happen shortly here. Amen. And then what do you do? Then you run. Then you make your declaration. You start swinging your rock and and, and take the sword out and cut the enemy's head off. First say it in prayer, privately, with God. Get built up. Get a a revelation. Let him bring some conviction into your life to the point where you can say it out loud to others, not boastfully, but just as a matter of fact. You're not even trying to convince them. You're just saying, this is the way it's going to go down. And then you run at it. amen. Amen. I tell you, this is a life that God wants us to live. It is the way he wants us to understand his uh, power and how it's manifest in our lives today. Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. You're so good to us. You're so good to us, Lord. You're so wonderful, so gracious.